Hey, all you Theosciples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. The Theonauts, episode 91. The one where it's my way or the highway. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo siblings out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theo Nuts. What's up, Dave? Hey. Yeah. Yes. David. Nothing. Anybody so. ever called you Dave? Do you like being called Dave? I've never um, asked you that in many years together. Yeah, I am indifferent. Really? Yeah, I've had people call me Dave all the time. How about Davey, Davey Crockett? I, I've been called Davey. I've been called Davo. Uh, Devo? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did have a friend that called me Devo. Mm. <laughs> kind of weird. I've been called Jerry. I don't like Jerry too much. You know what I hear people call you? What? Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> that makes me so sick to my stomach. Uh, when people it's like, Jeremy. oh, I mean Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, all the time that happens. Or, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yeah, that, that never comes up, does it? Not, not once, you know. I had to... <laughs> Eighth grade year. Oh, I just saw a lawnmower pull up back here. <laughs> just what we need. Yeah, it's always like when we're recording field dots, <laughs> it's like, ding, I need to mow my lawn. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I interrupted you. What we need you a soundproof si- uh, studio is what we need. We do, but then it yes. loses some of its charm. Please support Theonauts. Send us money. Yes, send us all kinds so of money. So that we can make a soundproof studio. That's what we need. Yes. Yes. And I need new Ninja Turtles. So, okay. Anyways, that was our plea. I don't buddy. need any more Star Wars stuff. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to thin my herd That's of right. Star Wars items. This week so. you went to a uh, a toy convention. North Dallas Toy Show. Yes, I was actually I had a table there selling some of my memorabilia off. Did you buy anything? Uh, no, I was very good. That's awesome. I was. Well, and it also helped the fact that we were the only ones really selling Star Wars stuff at the show. Are you so, kidding me? Dude, if, how in the world is that possible? Because those are like high dollar items. Yeah, um, for whatever reason, this show is almost all hot, was almost all Hot Wheels. Like there was Hot Wheels tables coming out our ears. So I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'd hate to be one of those Hot Wheels dealers because, man, it was just like one table after another. Um, Not many action figures, huh? And uh, there was there was some more modern action figures. There was one uh, three-table uh, huge setup yeah. that had lots of, of pop culture stuff. 
and they had some Star Wars stuff in there, but it was mostly new stuff. Yeah. It's like I was the only one that was really selling vintage The stuff. Old, old school, you know. Yeah. And I wanted to go because I wanted to see all the Ninja Turtle stuff. But, well, and there wasn't a whole lot of Ninja Turtle stuff. Which there. is another yeah, thing that was, surprised me because those things are awesome. So, mm-hmm. anyways, this isn't a. But I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again toys. in May. So, oh, yeah. Because I, I came home with, with still a lot of stuff. Well, so. I can't wait. I'll go with you. Okay, cool. See it's like we, May 7th or something. Yeah. See if I can't get any Ninja Turtles. Awesomeness. Heroes in a half shelf. So, so uh, how'd the week go besides that? Well, uh, really good. I got to go visit um, my new grandson a little bit. Yeah, Shepard. Yeah, it was really cool. Awesome. He, Praise the Lord. He is doing like extremely well, like yeah. way above boards on all the stuff that, uh, all the measurable stuff. So, wow. like, he, he, he is like bonding with them really well. He's calling them mama and daddy. And wow, yeah, and that's a just, God thing. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. doing real, and Jesse's doing good with him. Yeah, they're interacting well. So, wow, very nice. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very so, nice. What about you? Uh, just a bunch of school, dude. You know, hanging out, doing school. We have uh, testing coming up next week, so I'm not looking forward to that. And then I get to take eighth graders to uh, the Perot Museum. Oh uh, yeah, I've never week, been there. So. Yeah, I haven't either. So I'm kind of excited about that. I'm I'm, I'm curious as to what it is. Is it a science museum or I think it's natural sciences and biology and stuff. Right. Like uh, they they were telling me they went last year and they were telling me how they they could race a cheetah and stuff like that with this like technology <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm totally gonna race a cheetah. <laughs> I go by that place, you know, every time I go down there. My oh, client yeah. offices, I have to go by, right past the the pro museum. Cool. So, so yeah, that's pretty much uh, what's going on with me. So. Anyways, you just want to, like, jump right into it? Yeah, let's do that. No segue needed. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, speaking of these stingers and whatever, I, I, it did not even dawn on me last week until I had already produced the thing that we didn't do our script. Yeah. And, and then you were asking me about it, like, on the, on the show, and I thought you were saying... Uh, something else. I can't remember what I thought you were asking about. And I was like, no. <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> you were like, okay. And we just didn't do, we didn't do nothing. It was like, okay, screw this. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what in the world? You just don't want to do the script. I don't, okay. Okay. So no one knows how to contact us. But, you know, we got some some feedback. This, that's this good. Around, so so it's, obviously they figured out a way. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're contacting us in spite of you. Yeah, so. <laughs> we you and you gave me this look like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, well, it, I guess it threw me for a loop because Brian, as soon as we said bye to Brian, he hung up. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, okay. Well, thanks for being here, Jeremiah. I mean, I was just like, that's we're done. We're done. <laughs> there went the Skype. He, uh, okay, we're off. So yeah, it was hilarious. So yeah, I, I was wondering about that, and I noticed that there's a script laying here today. So yes, it's nice. prepared. Yes, wonderful. So uh, well, I need scripts. It was here last week too, but was it? Yeah. I didn't remember. <laughs> okay, so oh, well. this week, what I'm thinking is, okay, we've got this big, huge movie coming out, right? The I don't know Captain America about. Civil War. Oh, yeah, right? Civil War. Okay, Which well, side are you going to be on, Captain America's or Iron Man's? Uh, I'm going to have to be on Captain America's side. See, I, and I'm traditionally on Captain American's side, but uh, Spider-Man, that new Stinger trailer. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Spider-Man's on. Makes me, I'm going to have to jump over to 
uh, Iron Man's side. <laughs> and, you know, I've read the comics, and Spider-Man is on Iron Man's, Iron Man's side for most of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Well, um, the... The thing I, I was watching the the, light, the latest trailer that had, that introduces Spider Man in it, yeah. And I was thinking, how is this not Avengers three? I don't. <laughs> it this, is I Avengers mean, three. Come on. Why are they calling it's, it Captain America: yes. Civil War? Why is this a Captain America movie? I mean, it looks like an Avengers movie. I mean, it's like every one of them are there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see the Hulk necessarily, but I think he's on Planet Hulk or something now. <laughs> Who knows what's going he on? He might there? be on. Oh no, they didn't send him out last time. Yeah, he was flying off. That was the last we saw him, like going off in the middle of nowhere. Really? Yeah, in the age of, it's the end of the Age of Ultron. Movie. I have to rewatch that. Okay, so we're, we're getting sidetracked a little bit here. Totally. Okay, so but the idea is, um, should the Avengers be fighting? Come on. <laughs> Aren't they on the same side? And Can't we all just get along? Yes. <laughs> Uh, and okay, what was what's the big superhero movie that just came out? Oh yeah, Superman versus Batman, Batman what? v Superman. Right? These guys are on the same team. They're the Justice League, right? Okay, so why are they fighting? Okay, well, there's always some kind of animosity. There's always some kind. There's always something in there. That's right. That just gets people spun up. And so you know, this inspired you to rethink and re-examine uh, this whole unity thing. Right? Yeah, let's talk about. What happens when there's a Christian civil war? Right, which pretty much there is all the all time. All the time. And the, <laughs> we're, we're, we're never not in civil war in Christianity. What's so civil about war anyway? Nice. Yeah, nice. Like Guns and Roses yeah. there for you. <laughs> you want me to sing the song now? No. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we want to talk about what to do about um, disunity. Or how to handle disunity. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the ticket. We've talked about unity so much on the show. We've had a show dedicated to it. But um, I think one of the things that we haven't really discussed is how to deal with one another well. Like, we're going to disagree on stuff. Always. Expect it. It's going to happen. Well, we're humans. And, and, I, and honestly, I think the Bible is presented to us in such a way that it lends itself to disagreements. And I think part of that is by design, because I think God is is also not interested in in necessarily if we're going to find the truth in it, but He's also interested in how are we going to deal with one another? Because what is God all about? God's all about love, right? Not only that, but He's all about unity. Yes. <laughs> so it's so it's like throughout uh, Scripture, you have all these teachings by all the people in the Scriptures, especially Jesus. Yeah. That center around being cool with one another, right? And and dealing well with one another, and getting upset at people that don't do that. <laughs> so um, so anyway, I thought it was <clears throat> about time for us to to Re- do this again. Retouch on that because <clears throat> you know it is our central theme here at Theonauts. More than well, I think more than anything else, unity has been one of our major and 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 both of us points. have experienced yeah the pains of disunity very in, much in, in our Christian walk and um and it's part of what drew us together to begin with. Right. I mean, we come from diametrically opposed uh denominations absolutely in many ways so so it's like uh uh you know when when the people in my group were hearing that i was doing a show with you they're scared 
And the people in your group here, you're doing a show with me. Everybody gets scared. And it's like, well, wait a second. So let's talk about what, you know, our togetherness and what binds us together. Right. Is the blood of Christ, you know, divvied out based on dogma uh, and ritual and <laughs> and how we're understanding the scripture or should it work in spite of some of those differences? Amen. And, um, and, but, you know, there's, there's, once again, there's opinions about, you know, what should divide us and what shouldn't. Well, you know, it's <clears throat> the truth of God's word. And, <laughs> and, uh, and if you disagree with me, then you're disagreeing with God's word. And, but people get way spun up that way. Right. So, absolutely. So let's start with, um, Acts 7. Yeah. Which may be a strange place to start. But it's um, a very strange place to start. People don't think Acts 7 when they think of unity because Acts 7 is a story of the stoning of, of Stephen, Stephen, right? Yes. Um, and actually, um, I, I, Stephen's story is a little sad to me when you think about it. Stephen, we find we, we, we first meet Stephen in Acts 6. Yeah. When short-lived meeting, yes, we have this this little thing where uh, the twelve are doing their their thing. They're teaching God's word. They're traveling around or whatever, and they're getting hung up <clears throat> and bogged down because of the issues of continuing to help people. And it's not that helping people is bad. It's just that they had this huge task to undertake, which right. is to go into all the world and to spread the gospel, but they were getting bogged down with the day-to-day uh, taking care of widows and you know the people that were in need. Right. So they determined the best course of action was, well, let's appoint people for those tasks. So once again, God, the Spirit, calling people to different tasks so that everything can get done. Right. Stephen's one of the guys that they pick out to do this. Uh, some people consider Acts 6 the first nomination of deacons. Uh, <laughs> so in that case, Stephen would be considered a deacon. It makes and, a lot of sense to say that that's the first nomination of deacons. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, it may or may not be, depending on how well you, uh, how, how you understand scripture. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. So it's God's hard. word. It's, it's, it comes right out and says, no, okay. So anyway, uh, so Stephen, uh, it, it, when we learn about him, when we first get his name, it says that he is um, full of the Spirit, and he w- worked among the people, okay? Right. It's part of the downfall right here. That's right. Is if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if, if, if your Christianity is relegated to a pew on Sunday morning, you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> That's right. You're not going to get in any trouble, <laughs> at least not in this country right now. You're not going to get in any trouble just showing up to church on Sunday. Sure. The problems come when you start living it, when you start getting into people's lives, when you start actually being evangelizing a, and being among people. That's right. With being full of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Because that will not, you won't stay quiet. Right. You're going to be talking, you're going to be saying things. And that's what happens. Stephen ends up <clears throat> amongst uh, a, a, a group of Jews. And he begins to teach to them, and it ends up getting him stoned. Right. And I'm not going to go through all of uh, Stephen's um, 
diatribe. Yeah, because it's huge. But what he does is sermon. is he gives a um, a historical uh, account, sermon yeah. account of some things to remind the Jews of where they came from. Right. And he's basically trying to say, look, nothing changes if nothing changes. You guys are doing the same thing you were doing way back then, and I'm about to tell you how how you're doing. You haven't changed. Right. You're still problematic. And so in this, one of the one of the people he turns to in his as a reference is Moses. So I'm going to look in. I'm going to read from Acts seven, beginning in verse twenty-two. Okay. It says, "And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians." And he was mighty in his words and deeds. And when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Okay, so um, this is Stephen telling this story. He's preaching to him, and he's talking about Moses. He is going to put some passion in here that, that you won't actually find in Exodus. Right. Okay, like, like the statement here, that it came into his heart. Uh, other translations, I think, say God put it on his heart or, you know, uh, he was determined or right. whatever. So he is saying he's determined to visit his brothers. He has this compassion for his brothers being an Israelite himself. Right. Okay, so he says there in verse 24, And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Okay, so now this is where he starts sticking the knife in a little bit because he's about to make a correlation to them. Right. So he's like, okay, we all know the story. Moses kills the Egyptian. Now, Moses thinks, hey, great. I'm putting in with these Israelites. <laughs> They're going to thank me for this. Right. We're going to get along well, and we're going to stand against the Egyptians together. Right. <clears throat> but, <laughs> as he says, they did not understand. Verse 26. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Mm. And as this retort, at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. <laughs> okay, so he continues his sermon. But the point that I wanted to bring in here is that Part of Stephen's preaching to them was that they are arguing and missing out on the deliverance because of their arguing. And Mo Moses was already, like before his time, right? This was before the burning bush. This was before his calling to go save them. He had it in his mind, according to Stephen, that he was about to deliver the Israelites, Right. But instead, they were too busy fighting amongst themselves. And, and all it did was prove to him that, oh, they know I'm the one who killed that Egyptian. And so if they know, someone else is bound to know, and I need to get out of here if I'm going to save my own life. Yeah. <clears throat> because they, these guys aren't apparently going to support me. Well, yeah. And, and you bring out two really interesting things here. First of all, 
uh, the the Israelites fighting amongst themselves, backbiting against themselves, which is uh, the main point, the reality that, you know, they missed it because they were too busy arguing, arguing amongst themselves in order to get focused on the goal which God had for them. Right. Right? But the other thing is um, that they, they uh, <laughs> their brother Moses felt the need to run away from them. <clears throat> right. Right? Because they were going to... He felt like they were going to turn, you know, turn him in. Right. Right. And how many times do we turn in our brothers and sisters? Mm. Yes. How many times are we afraid to go to our brothers and sisters? Right. Right? With things we've done or something like that. Because, you know, we backbite and we shoot our own wounded. Yes. I mean, we are, we are so... Uh, traditionally, we have been so horrible one to another. Right. Um, whereas... Jesus' prayer in John 17 is all about there the end. It's all about unity among the brothers. And he's, and he's like, this is how the world's going to know that I, could, I am from the Father, is when people who normally can't agree actually agree. Right. Or it, there's got to be something there. There's got to be some supernatural tie if these people are agreeing and willing to put their differences aside in order to be united. That's the, that's the power of unity. Amen. Is um, I mean, we've talked on the show f- before about Chief Red Jacket and his statement to Congress. Tell these preachers to leave me alone. I don't want their Christian doctrine in our camps. And, and his argument was, y'all say there's only one way to the great spirit. Well, if that's true, how come you Christians can't agree about it? Right. And so that's a great argument. I mean, and that's not... That's not a, a condemnation against the Word of God. That's a condemnation about us who are supposed to be carrying the Word of God. That's right. So, you know, the big question <laughs> is, um, and we've covered this before, what do we unify on? Um, what can we unify on? So let's say that you and I are totally different backgrounds and different um, denominations. Okay, so let's talk about denominationalism for a second. You okay. and I have been... Uh, have harped on that before, talked about yep, we had an episode on it. Right, and pretty much I believe we're coming up upon a post-denominational world. I really do see that happening at some point. Um, but the de- denominations exist for a reason. There, there was a purpose behind them. Mm-hmm. Originally, a lot of them were started for unity. I was reading an article, and I read it to you earlier, uh, by Ed Stetzer, right? And Ed, Ed goes on about... Um, the reasons behind a lot of major denominations, and originally they were to unify brethren. Yeah. A lot of them. In fact, your major denomination was originally yeah, bent yeah, on unity. Yeah. And the, the the Southern Baptists were all about unifying churches for the common goal mm-hmm. of missions work. That was it. That's that's the goal. All, all Baptist churches are supposed to be, and this is... For me, I you know, studying it are supposed to be autonomous unto themselves. In other words, we have no creed or anything like that. We have the Baptist faith and message, right? So, anyways, which is a creed, right? It's not a creed <laughs> at all, but it's interesting uh, because it it states what you believe and what you don't believe. So, what do you call right. that? <laughs> um, and it's really funny because a church will go, "Well, do you uphold?" The Baptist faith message, and my answer is no. I uphold Scripture. 
Mm-hmm. Totally different thing. Yeah. But anyways, um, it, basically it's a loose thing defining what the gospel is. Right. Um, so why do we, why they unify, the they unified for the common purpose of pushing forth the gospel. So mm-hmm. um, there, there are some theological differences that, that wouldn't work. For instance, <clears throat> um, I don't believe in pedal baptism or is it, I'm sorry, pedal baptism, child, child right. baptism. Right. We'll go with that. What's it called? I forget. <laughs> Anyways. Um, it's not fetal. It's not, did I say fetal? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just playing with you. Yeah. Fetal baptism. <laughs> Fetus baptism. Baptism in the womb, if you will. No, uh, I'm talking about child. I don't believe in child baptism. So right, right. it probably wouldn't behoove me to start a church with somebody who believed in child baptism because we would struggle when it came to baptizing our, you know, congregants. Right. How and would you do it in, in e- practice? Exactly. And it, it would come up as a as as a problem. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I cannot unify with that person. That doesn't mean I can't worship with that person. That doesn't mean I can't spend time with that person talking about the things of Christ or believe that person's a Christian. Yeah. That doesn't Or even work with that person in some other exactly. regard. And we we <clears throat> must unify to push the gospel forward. Yeah. And the same thing goes for just about any that there are there are certain groups that they worship differently. Uh, having a Church of Christ background um we set ourselves apart from others because of how we worship. Oh yeah, sort of you thing. knew. And <laughs> I'm joking, and they, sorry. <laughs> and there wouldn't be, and there w- and they 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 would not uh, join together because of that. So once again, planning a church like that with that mentality that we have to do it this one way, and we can't do it any other way is would 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 be would cause problems. Right. So, the, but the 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 question that comes up is. So if we can't worship together under the same roof, does that mean we are? Does that mean we're not unified? Like if that's the case, then unity will never happen because blah blah blah. Well, the the thing is, there's a difference in my understanding of scripture. There's a difference between unity and necessarily togetherness. Very so much. So. You can be unified and not be together, and uh, so like I can acknowledge a person over here as being a brother and we could do all kinds of work together. Maybe we, maybe we believe in worship differently in actual congregational worship. And so, well, when it comes time to do that, we'll go and do it the way that we prefer, but we still see one another as brothers. This, this unity happens whenever you point across the aisle and go that person over there is not a Christian Period, because they don't do it the way I do it, and and that's generally what ends up happening, or well, in in, in some cases that's what happens. In other cases, it's, it's well, I can't really say if that person over there's a true Christian or not, because if you were a true Christian, would you really perform like blah blah blah? So it's a little less, but it's the same sure type of mentality. Uh, sure, this kind of leads me to the next verse I wanted to look at. Okay, uh, Genesis thirteen. Here we have Abraham, and he is a um, he's a nomadic, right. n- nomad, and uh, he's built up quite a lot of wealth. He's got a lot of servants, got a lot of uh, uh, herd, and a lot of herdsmen. He and his his nephew Lot, who he took with him. 
Now, it's getting to the point to where they've both grown to such big de- degrees that and they're having problems. And um, so in verse 5 of Genesis 13, it says, And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's flock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at the time, the Canaanites and the Pezizites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Or another translation may say, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And so they ended up separating, but not in animosity. You see, the separation occurred in order to maintain unity. Absolutely. So there is a separation that is happening, but unity still exists. Abraham, in fact, takes a whole uh, army of these herdsmen and goes and rescues Lot when he gets taken captive. Right. So these guys are still they got each other's backs, kindred, and they 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 that's the big thing. They've got each other's backs, and they still support one another, but they they're not. Living together, yeah, there are problems that are keeping us from dwelling together. Right, and and so okay, what is his argument? That let there be no enmity between us, because we are kinsmen. Yeah, we we are kin, and so for that reason, you choose where you want to go. Yeah, and I will go the other way. That is also an act of love, right there. Right, you know, and of course, Lot chose. Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, you know, it's it's it, to me, it's amazing. There are a plethora, and when I say a plethora, I mean a ton. <laughs> yeah, a lot. There are a lot of reasons that Christians use uh, for disunity. Mm-hmm. A ton of them. Okay, you can go. Um, I list them all. I mean, you can do eschatology. Uh, yes, we're disunified by eschatology, by worship, uh, the way we practice worship, mm-hmm. uh, infant baptism, or or uh, you know full baptism um, in full general, immersion, baptism in gen- general, uh, cessationism, and we've covered all these topics: cessationism <laughs> uh, or continuationism. Uh, you know. Calvinism, Arminianism, right. um, and you can go all through uh, Roman Catholicism, even yeah. uh, you know, and Protestantism. You, you can go all all through and see how the different things that you can disunify on, and even even getting nitpicky and disunifying on wine, yes. uh, drinking, right? Yes. Uh, lottery tickets, dancing, communion, communion. Com- yeah, uh, it's just like there is all kinds of you name it. Right. There's a there's an opinion about it so strong that it is going to split. Exactly. And and what happens is people aren't people aren't doing the Abraham Lot thing. They're not saying, "Look, we can't get along on this communion thing. I think we have to do it every week. You want to do it once a year." Um, you're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> no, wrong <okay>. with you. <laughs> and so uh and I believe it has to be this way. And so since you don't understand that, you are lost. 
you don't have the truth of God. Wow. You know, and it could be, uh, I mean, I, there's there's groups out there like you have to drink the communion out of one cup. Yeah. You can't put it into multiple cups. I mean, there's, you name it, people are divided over it. I even read of congregations that were doing things like um, they would not baptize people in a baptistry because... Like these are all submersion flowing water. Yes, these are all submersion people. They're right. not talking about sprinkling. We're talking about actual baptism. But, but because you use a baptistry, that's not a biblical thing. There's no biblical reference for that. That everyone in the scripture was baptized in a natural body of water. So we will only baptize people in the natural body of water, and divided over that. So I mean, it's like. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, so you got to sing songs a certain style, or we'll walk right down that aisle and leave them yeah, all behind, right? Right, right. And that's the whole uh, the mentality. And so, it must be Southern gospel. That's the way they did it in the New Testament. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> if it's good enough for Bill Gaither, it's good enough for me. <laughs> you know. So, um, so one of the things I want to talk about too is men, mental at- attitudes toward the Scripture, and 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 the way we use certain Scripture to condemn or attack one another. Yeah. This Satan loves the fact that we're at each other's throats. In fact, that's his goal for the church is mm-hmm. to disunify the church. I think if there's one thing that Satan's goal is to do is to disunify us because the minute we're disunified is the minute where we're not focusing on what our goal should be, which is to preach the gospel to the world. Right. If he can get us disjointed and disunified, then our goal is not going to be accomplished. Satan is 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 a brilliant strategist in that way. Yeah. And and I believe that that's the number one way he works on the church. So so the minute you start finding and start judging your brother, start thinking, I am being manipulated by Satan here. Yes. <laughs> Are you being a tool of Satan because you think you're sticking to the word of God and no one else is? Could it be Satan? <laughs> so, um, Anyways, go yeah, ahead. Well, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... No, 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 no. I that's, that was because a, that's, that's dead on. I mean, think about, for, exa- for example... What Jesus told the Pharisees who accused him of casting out devils in the name of Satan. He was like, are you crazy? Satan knows. Okay, he is a little bit of Satan's wisdom here. Yeah. Satan knows that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Right. Okay, that's not a quote by Abraham Lincoln. That's a quote by Jesus Christ. That's right. Okay, about Satan. Yep. Satan knows this. Okay, if Satan knows that about his own house... Don't you think he knows that about Jesus' house? Mm. So where is he going to try? A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. Well, let's get them divided. Let's let's split them up as many ways as we can, because if they're not working together, they're not going to be able to accomplish anything. Right. And, and so let's look at some of the ways that this happens. Um, there are words that we read in our Bible that, can sometimes be subjective. At least we've made them subjective. But we don't think they're subjective. We think that they're absolute. And we think they're objective. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's a little confusing. But I want to put out some words that you, when I say the word, you're going to know exactly in your mind what the word means. But we need to stop and think about how we're using that word and do we really know what the word means. The big one I want to throw out there is the word truth. Okay, there are tons of scripture that use the word truth in it. That's right. Tons of them. And 
words like stand fast in the truth. There's lots of, of, of things telling us to hold the truth, keep the truth, be in the truth, the way of truth. The, I mean, there's all these things. Okay, and it's real easy for me to un- read the scripture and go, okay, I understand that scripture, therefore it's truth. And then someone else read that scripture and go, no, that isn't what that means. And I go, well, wait a minute. No, that's the truth. And you go, no, 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 that's not the truth. And I go, yeah, 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 that's the truth. So I'm standing for the truth, and you are therefore against the truth. And then I go to another scripture that says, stand for the truth. And I say, see you there? See you there? I'm, the, I'm, I'm doing what the scripture says. I'm standing for the truth, brother. And... It, <laughs> So all of a sudden, there's this huge division because I've blanketed this term. Right. I basically make the word truth mean everything I understand. My opinion or my interpretation or my exegesis of what I'm reading is the absolute God's word truth. And therefore, if you disagree with me at all, then you're not in the truth. And now I can use every scripture that uses the word truth against you. (laughs) Okay, so th- there's a lot of these blanket terms. Uh, that's just one of them. Um, another one is the word faith. And you think, okay, well, what's faith? And you might think, well, the simplest definition is belief, which that's not a good definition. Uh, trust is closer than belief, I believe. <laughs> but Faith is acting belief. But we don't use I... it that way. Yeah, yeah. Faith is, is, an, is, a, is a belief that is trusting enough to do something. Right. Okay, so there is, an act, there is a, some activity behind it. Look, just read James. It tells us... All about faith. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> it's about an active faith, That's a right. living faith. Uh, okay, so, but we don't always use faith that way, do we? How about this one? Stand firm in the faith. <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and fight the good fight of faith. Um... I mean, we use the word all over the place. Well, um, your faith does this, this, and this, and this. My faith does that, 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 and that. And so, therefore, you know, we're one faith is right. We're two. Yeah, I can go over here into Ephesians and I can read. There's one faith, one baptism, one. Okay. Well, therefore, there's only one. And if there's only one, I've got it, and you don't. So what we end up doing is we take in this word that has a pretty self, a pretty you know evident meaning, uh, and we even we even take it a step further. Faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? Uh, obedient, or does it mean to be full of faith? Um, depending huh. on how we use the scripture, there are tons of ways we can read that. But what happens is we end up once again using this word as a blanket, and so once I have my faith. Well, now I can use every scripture that uses the word faith, like stand fast in the faith or keep the faith or all these sorts of things. And I can say, see, you're not keeping the faith. You're not standing fast in the faith because I make it mean what I believe and not what. Yeah. In fact, that only really to me, that only refers to one thing, faith, active faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's and, it. And the same thing can be said for the word truth. Right. And that's really weird. If you guys are interested in studying something very interesting, go through the New Testament or find a concordance or whatever. I'm not a big fan of concordances because they often make us pull things out of context. But so much. So. <clears throat> but pick a get your concordance and look up every 
every passage that uses the word truth in the New Testament and try this. Replace the word truth with the word Jesus and see how it reads. Wow. It's cool. It really is. What did Jesus say in Ephesians, I mean, in uh, John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mm. am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. So, uh, so he is the truth. And, and, of course, there are scriptures like in John 17, he says, thy word is truth. He's referring to the word of God, but he's also... It's a play on words, because what does John use? Lagos. Jesus is the word. Yes, Lagos is Jesus in That's the right. first Amen. chapter. So, thy word is truth. Jesus is truth. We miss it's, that, by the way, so much when people are like, well, we need to, we're people of the word. And people don't realize what that means. They think it means their Bible, and in some respects it does, but so much more it means Jesus. Yes, and and so that's part of what what I'm getting at. Going back to the Stephen thing, going back to the Hebrews who were fighting in the mud in the clay pits while they're trying to make bricks, they they were fighting so much so they missed the deliverer. Right, he was standing right there. Right, they missed him. Yeah, okay. The same thing is happening because we get to fighting and we miss the truth. Who's standing right there? Jesus Himself, and that's He's the unite. He's what we unite on. Um, so, but there's other words like the word gospel. Uh, the the gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians 15. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the gospel and, and how that is what saves us. However, we want to put everything into this word gospel. Everything I believe is the gospel. Well, I don't know what gospel you're preaching, but the gospel I hold to is this, that, and the other. Okay, so the word gospel... Quit misusing it that way. Right. Because what we end up doing is then we go to Galatians 1 where it says, if any man bring to you another gospel other than the one we have delivered. Let him be accursed. <laughs> let him be accursed. All of a sudden, I've been able to take this word gospel and blanket it over everything I believe. And so, therefore, if someone believes it's a little different. You infant baptized? That's not the gospel truth. You are accursed. <laughs> <laughs> You're not standing firm in the faith. Right, right. You don't have the truth. You don't have the truth. Uh, <laughs> and there are more words. Doctrine, it's another one. People lump everything into this word doctrine. Doctrine, didache, in the Greek, just means teaching. Yep. That's all it means. So, um, you know, there's no... Uh, doctrine's not a special word that only adheres to Christianity, although we treat it like it is. Uh, it just mean, it just simply means teaching. Quit lumping everything into that. And well, what's your doctrine and my doctrine and that doctrine and, and false even, doctrine? And, yeah, even the word heresy. Oh yes, um, man. And I think we've talked about heresy before. Right. But the the word heresy has been it it got messed up in the in the dark ages. That that word. Well, it means something totally different today than it than it did meant. when the when the people put pen to paper in the New Testament. The word heresy does not mean false teaching. That is not what it means. That is what it, now you might argue that well the Webster's Dictionary says it does, and the Catholic Encyclopedia says that it does. Okay, but let's go back to the guys who put pen to paper in the first century when they wrote heresies, the Greek word. They weren't meaning false doctrine. They were meaning sectarianism, right? Uh, partyism, breaking up into small groups, 
in order to, uh, as a, as Paul got onto them in 1 Corinthians 11, so that you could see and it could be made manifest who was right and who was wrong. Right. If you're doing that, that's that sectarianism, that's what we're talking against. We're actually talking against heresy. Yeah. <laughs> in its true definition. That's right. Um, Amen. It's not just, it's, it's not just, you know, well, I said something, I'm teaching something that's not in the Bible, therefore it's heresy. That's, yeah. that's a misuse of the word. Um, I, I want to pull out um, right about this time, I guess, probably the best way to do it, Romans 14. Okay, yeah. Um, that would be good because what are we... Um, th- there is an argument out there that basically says, well, if you've got two questionable doctrines or sides, thoughts, sides to the story yeah. always go with the more conservative yeah the most conservative one because it's the safest path yeah that's not true but um, yeah let me read this chapter 14 verse 1 okay as for the one who is weak in faith welcome him but do not quarrel over opinions one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person only eats vegetables okay hang on one second First off, I want to clarify. That first verse is very important. It says, don't quarrel over opinions. Now, what happens is people, no one will admit that their understanding of Scripture is an opinion. Right? Right. But it is. Okay? You weren't standing there with Jesus. Okay. What does does Paul tell the Galatians? This doesn't come from man. I didn't learn it from man. I got it from Jesus himself. Okay? So... You can trust what I'm about to say is directly from the Word of God, from right. God Himself. Okay, we have received, we haven't received the same thing. Right. We read and we understand, we exegete, we we try, we struggle to know exactly what God's trying to tell us through these scriptures. But it's still an opinion because I'm putting my own right. understa- my own understanding. Right. And in- let me uh <clears throat> let me uh what is that? Preface that. Yeah. Other than the gospel, it's an opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, we do know we know the gospel. Right. <laughs> right. There are certain things that are set: uh, Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and faith alone. Well, the foundation that, of Christianity. The foundation itself. of Christianity that that is set. Mm-hmm. Eschatology is an opinion, right? <laughs> um, whether or not it's okay to drink is an opinion. Right. Ooh, big one for me, anyways, <laughs> from my past. Uh, you know, whether or not it's okay to even swear mm-hmm. is an opinion. Right. And I think that those are fitting for this chapter 14 yes. because that's really what he's talking about here. He's talking about this idea that, and who are the weak ones, by the way? And I, I love verse one because it says, for the one uh, who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Who's going to be bringing the quarrel? The weak one. The weak one. <laughs> Paul is warning them here. Right. All right, if you're going to bring that guy in, welcome him. You should bring him well, in. But watch out and don't don't get into a stupid argument. Right. So Okay, so once again, remember what the word faith means. The word faith means you put your trust fully on Jesus. Right. That means your trust is not in your own work. Yeah. Okay? What is the book of Romans about? 
totally about faith, salvation faith, by grace through faith. Faith and grace. That's that's the point of the whole book of Romans, and we are in the book of Romans. Right. So when he says uh, the one who is weak in faith, he's referring to the one who is relying on something other than his faith in Christ. He's relying on his outward his, performance. His actual works and the things that he's doing to give him some right. justification. And he uses the uh, prime example, verse 2, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. This guy who who believes that it's Jesus plus vegetables <laughs> 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 or Jesus plus not eating meat, meat. sacrificed right. to idols or whatever, okay? Um, let... Not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. And this happens all the time. The one who feels like he's free in Christ to eat the meat Mm -hmm. begins disdaining. Making fun of the other one. right, Right, making fun of the other one. And the one who feels like that guy's sinning, he starts judging him. Yes. Right, and this happens all the time in church, mm-hmm. all the time. So, oh, wow! Did so, you, who's you the know? most conservative person in this example? <laughs> the most conservative one is the weak one. <laughs> Correct. In this example, yeah, he's the, he's the one who is abstaining, but just in case. I know Jesus died on the cross, but I also know that there's that dietary law, and it's there. It really is there. And so, just to be safe, yeah, we might as well do it. Let's stick to it. Yeah. Oh, you have a tattoo? <laughs> really? It really wouldn't be safe to do that. Yeah, it wouldn't be safe to do that. In fact, that's a sin. <laughs> you should see about having that removed. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, okay, verse 4. And that, that was a joke, by the way. All right. <laughs> um, verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Is it before? Uh, it is before his own master that he stands or falls? And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. <laughs> I love that verse there. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Oh, so good, because it's by grace alone that we're saved. <laughs> Amen. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convict- convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amen. So... One thing about this that that I find very interesting is God is more interested about what's going on in your heart than what is going on in your hands. Mm. So um, when he when he says here, the one who observes this day does it because he loves God, and this is a way for him to do it. The one who doesn't observe the day doesn't do it because he loves God, and he's serving God by not doing it. Right. So the so the thing is, in both cases, you have a person serving God the way his heart is leading him to do so. The ah. the way God is moving him. Amen. Like it's coming from inside. And God is wanting that. He says, For for if we live, we live unto the Lord. That's the that is the point. 
that is the unification. That's yes, where and in, in this we find our unity. Yes, we are both unified in the fact that we are doing something unto the Lord, and that is what and it is our our desire to serve God. It is our it is our passion. It is our spirit. We are doing our best, the best of our understanding of the scriptures, to serve God in the best capacity possible. Right, and we may look at someone else and go, "You're not doing it right." Well, I just disobeyed this this pa- this passage because it said, "Don't do that." That's yeah. a judgmental thing, right? So, uh, and and the other one may look back and say, well, "You can do it any way you want," and then, uh, but you know, you're stupid for making for saying I have to do it this way. Yeah. Well, now I'm despising the person, so I'm disobeying. So it's the the deal is, sure. we need to respect the other person, right? And this isn't to say that you can't have conversations about. This oh, stuff. definitely. You, in fact, you should have conversations about this stuff. But the minute where you mess up is when you say you are condemned. Yeah. You are um, doing this totally wrong, and not only that, but I can't have fellowship with you. Yes, if that's what you agree, if that's what you believe, I can't have anything to do with you. Yeah, we we can't break bread together. Right. You can't sit at my table. And that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Can you, how dare we as people say that we can't sit at another man's, you know, or and, invite another man into our table are when Christ is sitting with prostitutes? Yeah. And, well, and, but the thing is, there are scriptures where people get this from, uh, but I, we don't have time to go into all of the fellowship scriptures and, and the discipline scriptures, but. I behoove you to go study through those because our problem has been in our freedom of religion state that we are in right now, we have the freedom to project all those scriptures onto other Christians. Almost every single one of those passages that say withdraw from that person, have nothing to do with that person, don't eat with that person, almost all those passages are referring to people who aren't really Christian. Right. They are subvergent people trying to destroy Christianity. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, what does a wolf want? To destroy the flock. That's what he wants. That's what his desire is. It's, his desire isn't to serve God honestly, and it's just different than your opinion. His desire is to tear it up. Right. And so we have to be careful about throwing these verses at every Christian we disagree with. And so anyway, let's continue on where, uh, where you left off there in Romans 14. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Okay, so hang on a second there. Um, Okay, so this is about self-sacrifice in order to help a brother. That's really, it's about loving one another. And sometimes um, it starts here at verse 13, don't pass judgment. That's talking to the more conservative guy. Don't pass judgment onto the guy who is willing, who allows certain things that you don't allow. However, um, there's instruction here also about not putting a stumbling block in front of your brother. This is talking to the guy who has the liberties and understands that everything is through faith. And so... Um, basically saying, don't cause the other person to sin. Okay, this doesn't mean if it offends you from the standpoint of, why? That just offends me. I can't believe you would do that. That's not what the offense we're talking about here is. We're talking about something that is actually going to draw someone into sinning against their conscience. Right. So you're you're going, okay, let's say... um, you think it's okay to drink. I think it's okay. I, I, I don't. I think you can't. Okay. That's not actually how I believe, but I'm going to, for sake of the argument, we're going to play. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So now. I'm sitting over here. We go, to, we, go to a we-, we go to a wedding together. <laughs> yeah. And someone says, let's have a toast to the bride and groom. Okay. Uh, toast to the bride and groom. <laughs> you've got, you've got two, <laughs> bo- two glasses of champagne in your hand and you shove one in my face. <laughs> Come on, David. It's just one glass of champagne. It's not going to send your soul to hell. <laughs> and I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. But there's this pressure. There's this, okay, so I do it. Well, because my conscience was not clean, I have just sinned. Even though, as he says, there's nothing in and of itself that's unclean. It's what we perceive in it as serving God. So if I see it as an offense to God, I just offended God by doing it. Now, the thing is, you caused that because you pushed it on me whenever you knew how I felt about things. So the the argument here is don't despise me for not wanting to. And at the same time, I can't look at you drinking your champagne and go, well, Jeremiah's going to hell. Wow. So, so anyway, uh, that's really what, and the cool thing is, we often forget that Romans 14 has instructions to both sides, the more conservative guy and the, and the more uh, liberal guy. There, there are instructions to each one of them. And, but yet we seem to forget that the instruction to the conservative guy is stop judging. That, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me for whatever reason. The most conservative people feel completely free to judge in quote-unquote righteous judgment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So instead of obeying this passage and obeying what's being taught here, they forego it completely. Well, if you loved me, you would not offend me. And so then it's like this becomes a one-way argument. Romans 14 becomes all about the guy who has the freedom shutting those freedoms down, whereas that's not what this passage is teaching. This passage is teaching a mutual love and a mutual um, handling of these issues. Yeah. Whereas, Amen. you know, we, we we continue to want to always go to the least common denominator. If we did that, we'd all be uh, 
ditching our baptistries. Right. You know, and it, it's it's very typical of us to want the easy, easy way out, and that is the easy way out, mm-hmm. honestly. Because living in unity and accepting one another without the judgment is, is very hard for us to do. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, we should push for the hard. <laughs> I agree. Definitely. So... We'll go ahead and finish the chapter since we're that far into it. Where, where did we go to? I don't remember. Uh, um, 18 is where you ended, so. Okay. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat milk or eat or eat meat. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. good not to eat milk. Yeah, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Right. So this is just confirming basically the same things we just talked about. Right. Um, mm. I, I want to um, to quickly read, um, continue it in, in chapter 15, because this is a horrible place to put a chapter break. Sure. Um, once again, you know, if I could get a hold of Jerome, I'd be like, good work, slap. Okay, so you you, you put these... What were you like? It was midnight. I'm like, yeah, forget it. Yeah, chapter in. That's as far as I'm going tonight. Uh, So anyway, in chapter 15, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So in other words, if we're only doing things in order to please ourselves, we're not loving the other person. Right. It says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who who reproached you fell on me. For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony... Okay, now here's the... This is the kicker of all of Romans 14. It actually is summed up here in in the last in the first few verses of chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. That If you don't remember anything about the show, remember that we read chapter 15, verse 7. Right. And stick that one on your refrigerator. Amen. It, that you were welcomed by Christ in an unsatisfactory state. No matter where you were, no matter how good of a life you think you may have led, you were accepted by Christ in a horrible state. It, what it's saying is have the same type of grace to one to, no, one to another as Christ had toward you. Yes. 
So that means even whenever that guy is such a legalist, I can't even stand it. I have to know he's doing what he believes is right to serve God. And I'll have as much grace as I can possibly throw that way. But at the same time, it works the other way around. I can't despise that guy, but his calling based on these scriptures is to love me even though I'm not the legalist he is. Amen. And and so anyway, that's good. Romans 14 is is very important to Christian unity. And yeah. I know people that will say Romans 14 doesn't even apply today. Mm. Unless you have issues with dietary laws and uh and holy days. But it's more than and that. And like you're missing he the principle. He was using principle. that as an example. Right, there's a principle being yeah. taught and so many times the principle is missed. Once again, it's just like the guys in the brick pits back in Egypt. They're so busy fighting that they're missing the point. Yeah. And the, there's a principle at work here. Quit fighting about whether or not it's all about meat, meat and, <laughs> and holy days. Yeah. This is, why don't you just cut this chapter out of the Bible then? It doesn't even apply to you right. anymore. Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, I uh, had an article and I really just wanted to just go through it really fast because we're out of time. I know that. Okay. But um, it was, it's really practical and I love it. It's by um, Tim Challies. He's a pastor. Um, and he writes about 12 ways to preserve Christian unity and just really some practical steps you can take. So mm-hmm. you find yourself struggling with wanting to unify. Step one, spend more time considering evidences of grace in other Christians than you do pondering their sins and weakness. Yes. Spend time focusing on the on their strengths. On their strengths. Yes. Number two, consider the spiritual safety. Consider that spiritual safety comes through spiritual unity. Mm-hmm. We're only spiritually safe when we're spiritually unified. Right. We're in a pa- we're a pack. Why do you think Jesus would send them out two at a time? Right. Absolutely. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't send people out on their own. Uh-uh. All right, number three, meditate on God's many command, commandments demanding that we love one another. You can look at <laughs> Romans 13, 8, John 15, 12, Hebrews 13, 1, 1 John 4, 7, 1 Peter 1, 22, the entire book, or the entire chapter of Galatians, uh, the, the entire uh, <laughs> book, book uh, yeah, or um, uh, the entire chapter, or chapter of uh that we just read Romans 14 Romans 14 and you, don't forget to to not stop at the end of the chapter John 11 I mean you can you can look at all those not John 11 John John 17 17 that's right yeah the the the, the high, high priestly, priestly prayer. prayer I'll use your there you vernacular. go okay uh spend more time considering areas of agreement than disagreement look at what you agree on Mm-hmm. Very good and if you agree on the gospel that's enough yeah are you defined by what you don't do or what you do. That's right. Do. <laughs> okay, consider your peaceful God. God is a God of peace, right? Yes. Renew your mind and heart by what it means to be at peace with God. Yeah. Because when you realize that you're at peace with God, then you can be at peace with anyone. Yes. And uh, what did Romans 14 say? Is not The kingdom of heaven is not about meat and drink and et cetera, right. et cetera. It's about righteousness, joy, and peace. Amen. Meditate on the unique relationship between Christians. Unique relationship between Christians. We are family members. Yeah, siblings. That's right. 
uh, count the cost of disunity. What happens with disunity? It destroys the message of the cross. Uh, be the first to seek peace and reconciliation. Walk and work together with other Christians as far as possible, making the word the only judge of your actions. Hmm. Good. That's awesome. Judge yourself more than you judge others. That's real hard. I know, <laughs> but it's so true. And then the last thing, pursue humility. Yeah. When all else fails, humble yourself. There's not a sin talked about in Scripture more than pride, than self-righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that unfortunately is the pre- predominant sin in the church. Amen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know when Christ makes us righteous, we think we have a right to make ourselves self righteous, and it jacks up everything. So, mm-hmm. anyways, that's what we got to say about that. We've yes. hit it pretty hard. Uh, you want to do some news? Yeah, I guess. So. And yeah, now I guess so. the news. <laughs> this is my favorite. Perry Noble's church will refund your tithe if you don't get blessings within 90 days. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a money-back guarantee. Money-back guarantee. New Spring Church in Greenwood, South Carolina has come to an interesting <laughs> giving campaign. The church pastor, Perry Noble, promised the congregation that they would refund givers who don't receive a blessing after 90 days of tithing. Yes, you read that right. The church will return every dime you gave during the 90-day period if you either conclude God is a liar or you don't get a blessing. (laughs) The church is calling it a 90-day tithing challenge, complete with its own webpage. Uh... Because we believe that the Bible says what the Bible says about tithing, we commit to you that it will. Uh, oh, so Malachi three is is the define or Malachi three ten. That's it. Yeah, that's about everything. Everything revolves around that. Right. We will refund a hundred percent of your tithe, no questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bunch of heresy. Uh. That's, not, that's false doctrine. I don't know what kind of gospel they're preaching I don't preaching even know there. what to comment about that other, other than, oh, my goodness. And I want to go to that church. Okay. so No, I just think it's hilarious. Okay. Prison inmate of 30 years is Saddleback Church's newest ministry leader. Hey. Saddleback Church. That's, yeah, uh, that's Rick Warren. Rick Warren, right. right. Yeah. In a true story of redemption, Rick Warren Saddleback Church in Southern California is welcoming their newest minister, a prison inmate of 30 years to their team. Wow. Danny uh, Duchene, who Sounds is, like he's qualified to me. Amen. Who was sentenced to prison at the age of 19 for killing two men, read Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life... Um, while in prison and reached out to the pastor. Duche told Satterback Congregation, in prison I read Pastor Rick's bestseller, Purpose Driven Life, and wrote to him. The prison soon started buzzing with cell groups and mm. studied to study the books. Inmates were baptized inside the prison campus. Saddle, Saddleback Celebrate Recovery Program began in the prison and gave an opportunity to prisoners to have support and now do the right thing for the first time in their lives. At first, the good news seemed over my head. It seemed unbelievable and too good to be true that God loved me and that he wanted to show me mercy after all I had done to hurt others. From growing up, I honestly didn't know how to trust. Now, that's a great <sighs> example, actually. I get because the, be- I get chills. Because, the, the honestly, the guy that's been where that guy's been and done what that guy's done has has a witness that can do so much power. Um, mm. Yeah, that's 
And most churches would just not even look at that resume, right? Amen. Isn't that crazy? But it's, it's because of self righteousness, to be honest. That's right. Because we don't want a guy teaching. I mean, let's be let's be real about this. Do you really want a, a, a con teaching your flock? No. It's okay if he comes to church every now and then, as long as he covers up those tattoos. Right. And not only that. But we definitely can't let him anywhere near the children's program. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And he, but what a story of redemption. So kudos to Rick Warren. I, Man, I, I just think that that's a great So, picture. So he got the start by reading Purpose Driven Life. Yep. And didn't we just have a news... We did last week yeah. about El Capo, right? El Capo's reading purpose. So who knows? <laughs> he might become he might become the next uh, youth minister over at Saddleback. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Okay, um, well, let's see here. Number of Americans who pray and believe in God is at an all time low. A new study claims that a number of Americans who pray or even say that they believe in God is hit an all-time low. San Diego State University psychology professor uh, Gene Twinge led the study published in the journal Stage Open, which looked at data from 58,893 respondents to the general social survey. Researchers found that five times as many Americans in 2014 reported that they never prayed when compared to Americans in the early 1980s. Nearly twice as many over the same period also said they don't believe in God. Most previous studies concluded that fewer Americans were publicly affiliating with a religion, but that Americans were just as religious in private ways. That's no longer the case, especially in the last few years. The large declines in the religious practice among young adults are also further evidence that millennials are the least religious generation in memory and possibly in American history, explained Twinge. Hardly surprising given the several recent studies, the largest decline in belief in God and prayer uh, life was found among subjects between ages 19 and 29. Wow. So, which isn't shocking to me, and honestly, I think it's just America becoming honest. Yeah. More than it is. More than it is a decline. Yeah, um, I, I don't see it as, as quite the same as how the article is presenting it. Like, I, I, I see, I understand what it's saying, but it's, I think you're right on the, on the money there. That it's just, there's not as much plastic Jesus going on as there used to be. Exactly. And so to outsiders, that out, outsiders mean those outside the Christian faith, it looks like there's a huge drop off, but really, it's not a huge drop off. It's I, I love the Adam for Ad, uh, what's it called? Adam Ford Adam Ford uh, cartoon about the Adam Fordy dot com yeah the cartoon about the two guys. Have you seen that? I don't know. There's a Christian, uh, there's a Christian, and then a person professing Christianity, and then an atheist, right? And there's yeah. two Christians and one atheist, and this is like 1980, and the Christian's like, I am really a Christian, I'm faithful and trusting, and the other guy's like, I'm a Christian because that's what people will tell me to be, and that's what culture dictates, and the atheist's <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm not a Christian. And then 10 years later, that guy's over here, and he's like, although I profess being a Christian, and then it's they, they go... So you uh, you must feel lonely over there, and the Christian's like, actually, I feel healthier than I've ever been in my life, <laughs> <laughs> and I really think that that's the yeah, truth. That's kind of what's going on. Anyways, all right, that's pretty much all I have in the news. Um, 
uh, I do have this date in Christian history if you want to do that. Yeah, I do. Awesome. Hop in our TARDIS. Yes. Go back in time. Actually, it's going to be tomorrow, April 7th. Today's the 6th, right? Uh, yeah, is it? I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm it's horrible. someday. Anyways. Oh, yeah, it's right there. There's a calendar. Yep, April 6th. Uh, tomorrow, April 7th. Uh, can you guess what I might be talking about? April 7th, AD 30? AD 30. Hmm. Jesus' baptism. No. No, okay, go ahead. Jesus' death. Oh, okay, okay. A lot of Christians point to April 7th. They believe it was April 7th that Jesus died on the cross. Um, and the way they do that, they calculate uh, uh, that it was the Passover was the f- between the 14th and 15th mm-hmm. of Nisan. Four, 14th of Nisan. Yeah, Nisan, whatever. Nisan. I like Nisan better. Yeah. Anyways. It's the Japanese version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if you looked between the years 27 and 34, that fell on a Friday, April 7th. Gotcha. So... Well, there is tons of oh, of, I know, of, I know of things about that. But a lot of Christians honestly think that don't this think it happened it. on a Friday. When do you think it happened? I think it happened on either a late. We've uh, covered this before, Wednesday right? or Thursday. We talked about this. Yeah, and because because the day Three after days. the first day of Passover is a Sabbath, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or not. The only reason we think it's Friday is because the scripture Sabbath says day. the following day was a Sabbath, and so. Um, but every 15th of Nizan is a Sabbath, is a Sabbath regardless of what day of the week it falls on. So how do you get three days and three nights, full three days and three nights in the tomb if you're dying on Friday night or Friday and rising, on, rising Sunday. on Sunday morning? And there's a way you can do it. You get a partial of a day in right. each one of them. Yeah. But doesn't it, is, it doesn't work with the Jewish calendar to do it that way. Word. But. All right, that's all I got, dude. All right, cool. I think well, uh, we have feedback. Feedback. It's not quite, it's not real voicemail. It's real mail. It's feedback. <laughs> okay, yes, it's, it is. It, despite our lack of telling you how to contact us last week, that you, was all David's fault, by the way. You could still money. do it. And yeah. uh, okay, so this first uh, email comes from a friend of ours, actually, Michelle Chadwick. Yeah. And um, so we're currently, you know, uh, at the way. We're in this we're in this 150-year-old building, and she's actually helped us a little bit in, in, in all of that. Her dad is on the board that owns that building. So uh, anyway, right. she says, hi, David and Jeremiah. Hello. Thanks to a knee injury a couple of months ago, I have started listening to your podcast while I do the rowing machine. I'm enjoying it very much. As I may have told you, David, my family is kind of the United Nations of Christian denominations now. (laughs) By the way, the subject on this email was denominations podcasts, some comments. Uh, So she was listening to on our podcast on the denominations. We now have Methodist... Baptist, formerly Church of Christ, Bible Church, and me, the Catholic. Although my oldest daughter is now Episcopalian, and my son-in-law is considering becoming ordained as an Episcopalian priest. Wow. I I had two comments on your Denominations podcast, which I enjoy immensely. 
One of my goals as a Catholic-slash-former Methodist is to be an ambassador among Christian denominations. My first comment is that I wish you had talked about C.S. Lewis's preface to Mere Christianity. In it, he has what I believe to be one of the very best discussions on denominations of Christian unity. My favorite quote is addressed to those who have decided to put their faith in Christ but haven't yet chosen a denomination or a church home. It seems incredibly relevant now that we have so many Lone Ranger Christians who no longer attend church. Mm. Okay, and so she quotes this passage from Mere Christianity, which I thought was pretty cool. It says, I hope no reader will suppose that Mere Christianity is here put forward as an alternative to the creeds of existing communions. As if a man could adopt it in preference to Congregationalism or Greek Orthodoxy or anything else. It is more like a hall out of which doors open into several rooms. If I can bring anyone into that hall, I shall have done what I attempted. But it is in the rooms, not in the hall, that there are fires and chairs and meals. The hall is a place to wait in, a place from which to try the various doors, not a place to live in. For that purpose, the worst of the rooms, whichever that may be, is... I think, preferable. It is true that some people may find they have to wait in the hall for a considerable time, while others feel certain almost at once which door they must knock at. I do not know why there is this difference, but I am sure God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. When you do get into your room, you will find that the long wait has done you some kind of good, which you would not have had otherwise. But you must regard it as a waiting, not as camping. Mm. You must keep on praying for light. And of course, even in the hall, you must begin trying to obey the rules which are common to the whole house. And above all, you must be asking which door is the true... You must not... Hold on. Above all, you must be asking which door is the true one, not which one pleases you best by its paint and paneling. In plain language, the question should never be, do I like this kind of service? But are their doctrines true here? Is holiness here? Does my conscience move me toward this? Is my reluctance to knock at this door due to my pride or my mere taste or my personal dislike or this particular doorkeeper? Wow. When you have reached your room, be kind to those who have chosen different doors and to those who are still in the hall. If they are wrong, they need your prayers all the more. And if they are your enemies, then you are under orders to pray for them. That is one of the rules common to the whole house. So good. <laughs> so C.S. Lewis, she says, she continues her letter, I spent 10 years as a homeless Christian exploring lots of denominations in my 20s and 30s so this quote was extremely helpful to me while I was waiting. My second comment is in response to your statement that unity will probably increase in response to persecution. I think that is already happening. Pope Francis has called this the ecumenism of blood, and I'm attaching an article about his comments on the ecumenism of blood that I hope you will like. Sadly, it is written to address the concern of conservative Catholics who may have been scandalized by Pope Francis his words describing non-Catholic Christians who died for their faith as martyrs. Obviously, 
I'm with Pope Francis on this one. (laughs) I love the quote in this article that describes Christians from all denominations as part of the authentic family of God. I'm praying for your ministry. Thanks again, Michelle Chadwick. That's awesome. So coming from a couple of Protestant guys who (laughs) would have a hard time in a Catholic cathedral. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) And actually... uh, have a lot of fun at the Pope's expense. That's right. We Sorry. thank you for listening, Michelle. <laughs> and uh, we do value your friendship and your sisterhood. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord for you. Okay, I have another one here from Philip Hurd. Hey, Philip. And uh, he's our, our King Philip, our patron saint at the GCT Network. Yes. And he writes, uh, the subject line is biblical inerrancy. <laughs> All right. Mm, See is... you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get good. It's only going to get... Okay. Talk about unity, and then we're going to bring up biblical inerrancy. Yeah, here we go. Okay. So, um, hey, guys. This is mainly feedback for the episode on church history, but it also applies to your conversation with Brian Gadawa. Have you ever done an episode on biblical inerrancy? What do you th- guys think about it? Do you have a position on it? Or more importantly, perhaps, should we take positions on it? The statement of faith at my church attests that we believe the scriptures to be inerrant in their autographs. However, if any autographs do exist, they have yet to be discovered. Also, you can see in various translations that they notate some manuscripts have certain passages which other, while others do not. So, which are inerrant? I am more and more weary when I see Christians drawing lines in the sand where Scripture does not, and while 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 states every Scripture is inspired by the word, by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work, I'm not sure this justifies the elevation of biblical inerrancy to the place of essential Christian doctrine. God does not obviously line up all ducks in a row spell out every detail, and make faith in him completely idiot-proof, it seems to me that he has the attitude that if people want to work hard enough to not believe in him, they can go ahead. (laughs) I personally do not have a position on biblical inerrancy, but I think it would be silly to think that means that I toss the baby out with the bathwater and scripture has no authority or authenticity. How many of us are Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek scholars anyway? And do we honestly think God requires us to be so in order to faithfully worship him and follow Jesus? Am I crazy? What do you guys think? Wow. Good show, guys. Hashtag Gaddy Wills It. I don't know why I've been elevated to that. (laughs) Gaddy Wills It. (laughs) That's great. P.S. One line I do draw in the sand is the TARDIS sound effect. How dare you besmirch it, Jeremiah? How dare you, sir? (laughs) Well, Jeremiah is not a Whovian. Amen. But he's not opposed to Whovians. You know, I I watched a couple episodes there. (laughs) I tried. Oh, dude. I tried. You got to get into it. It really really is good. Maybe this summer when I actually have time, I, I'll, I'll get into it. Well, I'll, I'll have to put together some essential 
doctrine, uh, Hoovian doctrine, like essential episodes for you to. Yeah, that sounds good to, to watch. I did love my favorite one is the one with the gas mask children, like the World War II gas. Oh yeah, mask yeah, children. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. like amazing. So, so anyway, thanks for writing in, Philip. Yeah. Um, we have not done an episode on biblical inerrancy. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit before the show. I think and, it might be good to do this next week. And it, I think it would be fun discussion to have. Um, I, I, I kind of I lean towards some of what your church believes on it, um, but we could expound on that. Right. Um, and spend some time and what other people believe. Yeah. And then uh, talk about, uh, you know... Um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for that's anything. That's right. That's right. That's right. Interpretations of scripture. Yeah. We'll talk about that too. So. Okay. All right. Anyways. Oh, oh, PSS. Oh, PSS. Yes. He had to send this in a separate email. Of course. <laughs> to clarify, I do believe scripture to be inspired by God, <laughs> Author, authoritative and reliable. And I also do not believe in picking and choosing which parts of the New Testament have application by straining cultural context to a breaking point. I do have a concern that biblical inerrancy as an essential Christian doctor may lead to making an idol out of the Bible. Word. And perhaps is not a helpful stance to take. Thanks again for the show, guys. Yes, the Bible is not our God, and that will be very interesting to talk about. So you want to talk about that next week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Gaddy wills it. Gaddy wills it. (laughs) The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, and we are going to do this this week. Yes. Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the newly revamped Worship Show. Woohoo! Visit our website at theonotpodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously, anon, anon, theonymously, theonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonotpodcast.com. There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments and rate us, as that helps with our show to reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right. God bless. Bye. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. Hot dog, wouldn't you know what? I forgot something.